Transmitting from the Mojave Wilderness in Joshua Tree, California, now is the time for Desert Oracle Radio, the voice of the desert. Night has fallen on the desert. Now the desert is heaven for some and hell for others. And even those who love the sand dunes and weird snakes will be at the oasis before too long. Whether the oasis of Mara at 29 Palms, or the oasis bar and grill just off US 95, Indian Springs, Nevada. One thing I love about Las Vegas is driving away from it. Driving north. Northeast to Alamo or Crystal Springs or Moapa. Or northwest to Goldfield to Tonopah. The Promised Land. If you're going up the 95, not far past the northern boundary of Red Rock Canyon, you're going to come up hard on Indian Springs and you're already hungry. You're already tired of everything. Well, you can't miss it coming up from Las Vegas and Red Rock Canyon. You're going to take a left on McFarland that's right across from the Little Air Force Base. And then turn right on Clark a couple of blocks down. Last time I was up there, they had the word bar in big blue letters on the outside wall. So you could better distinguish it from the neighboring houses. Food was good, drinks were cheap. You could play the machines if you wanted. What else do you want in life? Well, maybe you want to know about that little Air Force Base across the highway. Creech Air Force Base. Nevada sure does have a whole lot of Air Force Bases. It's like the whole state is made up of federal land, which it mostly is. With a lot of big dry lakes, nature's runways. And where we've done a lot of bad things as a people. Things that made mushroom clouds. Radiation winds, the cancer winds. Creech Air Force Base has been there in one form or another since 1943, but in 2005 it got its new moniker. Just to confuse the issue, Creech is where a lot of the death drones come from. You'll see a lot of little white modular looking buildings right there on the highway, 95. One of the great highways in America. 
Just a little old Air Force base at the edge of the vast Tonopah test range. That great, strange, bat-wing-shaped stack of federal land within the southern half of Nevada. Where few of our particular species can wander freely. Top secret. The incredible and precious Desert National Wildlife Refuge... Well, that makes up the southeast end of that segmented batwing shape. A shape very similar to that of the B-2 bomber, which was born and nurtured on those basin and range lands. Nellis and Tonopah and little old Area 51... Area 51 first put into service as a remote army airfield nearly a century ago now. When you look at it all on a map, all these federal lands that form a batwing craft or an enormous manta ray, horns and all, it's a strange thing to consider. Is... This also a pattern in nature? We are part of nature, we must not forget. Unless... Unless we are alien-controlled biological robots, and that is not something I'm prepared to address so late in the pandemic. Or maybe there's no difference between the two. Something that comes to mind now and again, more now than then, is what is the difference? What is the difference to us in our experience as part of life on this planet? If we are biological robots created by something, somewhere, whether a master, philosopher, god, or a kid making games on Roblox and her world somewhere far beyond what we perceive as our own. We are born, we live, we feel, we think, and we die. And in the recent past, the past 12,000 years or so, we really stepped it up splendidly. After a million years or so of just vibing, just living off the land, making some complex and beautiful cave art here and there, but otherwise moving with the seasons, following the food, all of a sudden we can do almost anything. And we are the only species that we know of that always comes with a moral story about needing to be careful with the technology. Thousands of years before we succeeded in building wings that would lift us into the sky, we have the Greek fable of flying too close to the sun and then plummeting back to Earth. 
And here's something interesting to consider. Something I saw this week in the news from CNN's London Bureau. When the European Space Agency designed a spacecraft to fly closer to the sun than any other probe in history, it faced a major problem. How to shield the probe from extreme heat and radiation. A joint mission with NASA, the Solar Orbiter, launched a year ago and recently emerged from its first pass behind the sun. It has to be able to withstand temperatures hot enough to melt lead, as well as 13 times the radiation that reaches the Earth's surface. At first, the agency looked for conventional solutions based on metals and carbon fiber, but they were not good enough. Instead, the agency found the answer in a material that dates back to the Stone Age. John O'Donohue, the founder of the Irish biotechnology company InBio, approached the ESA with the idea of using his company's artificial bone coating on the spacecraft. It's used on people to help bone implants be accepted by our bodies. But it wasn't tough enough for the sun, which would blacken that artificial bone coating once the solar orbiter got close. Let's go back to the news article here. I remember reading as a kid that in cave art, people used charcoal and in some cases burnt animal bones because the end of it would be like a crayon they could draw on the walls, O'Donohue said. After O'Donohue sourced some burnt animal bone powder, ESA found it was ideal for the solar mission. In addition to being black, there's nothing combustible left in the material. So when it's heated up, it doesn't release any gases that could damage the spacecraft. The resulting coating, called solar black, covers about a fifth of solar orbiter's surface area and keeps its most delicate parts operating at room temperature while absorbing heat up to 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. The answer was found in the cave art our ancestors made tens of thousands of years ago. Even before we had a specific technology, we worried about it. Icarus flew too close to the sun and the wax that held his giant bird wings together just melted from the heat. We would need to work that out someday. We foresaw the possibilities. And we went there anyway because that is our drive. That is the strange romantic curse of our species. We wander. We fight each other. We mate with each other. We carry our technology, our language, and other viruses. The churning chaos of our planet full of people and other living things will send some people this way and some people that way, and all will endeavor to be victorious 
No people ever chose submission. But as sports fans know, a contest does not often end in a draw. This is the crucial thing you need to know about your type, your crowd, your species. Yes, we are evolving. Yes, we are getting better at some things and worse at other things. And yes, no one will ever completely agree on which of those things goes in which category. And yes, the most ambitious of the species tends to be the invasive species. The most adaptive species. Like you and me, like the coyotes and the rats and the corvids. But here we are. Tonight, or depending upon your time sequence, tomorrow. That's a thing John Keel noted in his writings about humans encountering the ghostly entities. The others. They speak to us in strange and seemingly confused ways. They say things like, What is your time sequence? And other weird statements like, We are in bondage. We are one. That's an easy philosophy which has fed many a Tri-County cult leader's membership roles. Here we are, and it would not make a lick of difference to our situation, yours and mine, if we are the result of a random event or the result of a particularly insane SimCity programmer who controls the entirety of our existence. Or maybe just gets it going and then leaves for a couple of hours, maybe a couple of billion years in our time sequence, to run out and get a pizza. It does not really matter. Tomorrow you will have bills to pay, whether you're rich or poor. You have medical appointments on your calendar, which is on your phone, which is difficult to put down in our time sequence. 
I mean, something's going on. Why does magic work so often? Why do we know when a loved one has been hurt or has passed away? The absurd layers of coincidence and synchronicity, what are we to make of that? In our time, in our time sequence, we are the first people to try not to think about it at all. It upsets us. It's not rational. We play a video game and it feels more rational and realistic than our daily lives. And we wonder, who is programming this thing we are part of? What is in control of the tropes of the archetypes? Why are we so clumsy when we try to replicate nature, the nature that we are a part of? The most crucial part of it today in terms of effect on the rest of the ecosystems. We have godlike powers. We can resurrect dead species, rewild barren landscapes take the kings of industry to justice over tiny desert fish or rare desert buckwheat, and we allow those same kings of industry to live outside the law. We can destroy, and we can preserve, and we can protect. Sometimes we can revive, but not too often.
750 feet beneath the surface of the Guadalupe Mountains of New Mexico, there is a mighty chain of nature's palaces and amphitheaters. Here nature has sculptured in limestone, towering spires, giant crystal-like drapes, weird totem poles, and silent statues of animal and man. This national park is one of America's wonder spots. It took nature millions of years to fashion these underground caves. This is Crystal Spring, a massive stalagmite overhanging a limpid pool. The weirdly beautiful King's Chamber, a cluster of needle-like stalactites. It is the largest and most beautiful cave in the world. And from all corners of the globe, visitors come and marvel at the mysteries in its seven-mile tunnel of grotesque formations. mysterious in its depth than the Himalayas in their height. The Grand Canyon is to thousands the first wonder of the world. Here we overlook 1,000 square miles of pyramids and minarets carved from the painted depths. The visitor is awed by the spectacle. It is almost beyond comprehension. There is no measure, nothing which the eye can grasp, nothing the mind can fathom. A titanic spectacle that exclaims nature in rapture. The Grand Canyon is a national monument administered by the United States Department of Agriculture. More than one mile below is a tiny silver thread, the Colorado River, which is formed by the confluence of the Grand and Green Rivers. Together they gather waters of 300,000 square miles. Their many canyons reach a magnificent climax in northern Arizona. Down Jacob's Ladder on the Bright Angel Trail into the vast abyss. Canyon the road to heaven, and well they might. Truly a land of wonders. 3,300 square miles of wooded wilderness. Rivers, lakes, boiling springs, cutting through solid volcanic rock, 1,500 feet below the rim, and above, the incomparable canyon widens to a breathtaking 2,000 feet nearly twice as high as Niagara. Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone, a flower-shaped hot spring whose marvelously clear water is a deep green and like all other hot springs in this fairyland has an astonishing depth.
springtime, even without great fields of wildflowers and this year of drought, it's a beautiful time. Always just far enough from the last one that we are amazed and delighted all over again. The hummingbirds are out. The doves are sweetly and clumsily procreating. The bunnies are eating the green shoots. The evenings are longer and it's still cool out when the sun is down. And the great national parks and monuments of our western lands are all seeing a lot of tourists. A lot of campers and hikers and looky-loos. Which is good. That's the way it should be. That's why they're there. But if you would rather not get to your wilderness destination to find the same traffic jam you left back in the city, consider going to a place that's more out of the way. A place you don't see in every music video and commercial. I will not give you a secret destination, as that would defeat the purpose of personal discovery. Just quit looking at the TikTok or whatever for two minutes and use your map, use your head, use your brains, and consider how much more time you'll have for walking out in the open, counting birds, cooking under the stars, whatever you want to do. If you don't spend so many hours waiting for a meal at some popular desert restaurant or bar with 300 people waiting to get in. From Amboy to Isaacs and across the great Mojave wilderness, this is Desert Oracle Radio. Broadcasting from Joshua Tree, Friday nights at 10 p.m. and at various times on our homemade network of participating community radio stations from coast to coast. Get the podcast wherever you get podcasts if you're in cell phone range. Soundscapes on tonight's program, composed and performed by Red, Blue, Black, Silver. I'm your host, Ken Lane. Thank you for listening. Good night from the Voice of the Desert.